free time is a rare and precious resource. And I'm going to talk in this episode about how I have been putting my free time to use on my personal wellness journey to discover my self-identity and build out the place in the world that's made for me. If you are like me, you have definitely been spending the majority of your adult life serving your external relationships and showing up for other people in the way that you think will be best for them or keep them happy and satisfied. And that probably leaves very little time or space for you to get to know yourself. If you've ever thought of the question, who am I and what do I really like, or who am I and what makes me tick, and you've come up a little bit blank, I want you to know you're not alone and this is going to be the episode for you. I'm going to talk all about the benefits of monthly planning. I'm going to talk all about why I personally started planning on a monthly basis in the first place. And we're going to have a lot of encouragement and pep talk for you to start your own monthly planning throughout the episode. I'm really, really glad you're here. So let's jump in. Welcome to Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin Vandeven. I'm a millennial and mother trying to build the place in the world that's made for me, while fighting burnout, living intentionally, and embracing gratitude, even when I'm grumpy. Here on Medium Lady Talks, we visit the topics and practical tips that will help you maximize self-discovery and minimize self-judgment so you can finally get momentum building the life you know is possible in this post-pandemic world. On this podcast, you can expect we'll get deep while having fun, and whether you're burnt out like a dog in a dumpster fire or celebrating your best life daily, you'll find the conversations, prompts, and tools I know will be helpful on your own personal healing journey. So stay tuned for my deep dive solo shows and interview episodes with dear friends and expert guests. Together, we'll make sure you have what you need to build the place in the world that's made for you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's jump in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks, episode 82. I'm your host, Erin, and this episode is going to be all about why I plan my free time each month. So last episode was about using this sort of reflective monthly planning exercise from my free download, which will be linked in the show notes. My free download is all about how to plan a new month. I went through that in great detail on episode 81, so if you haven't caught that, go ahead and listen to that. And I have a couple of other episodes about planning that I will link in the show notes. The one that comes to mind is episode 57 is How to Plan a New Month with Medium Effort and Mindful Fun. And we're going to kind of sink back into this because this is something that has been a real cornerstone of my life since starting Medium Lady and has also really become a cornerstone of my mental health and self-care. Personally, back in 2019, I had had my third son, Beckett, who's now just turned four. So it's really also tremendous to me to reflect back on that experience of healing after Beckett was born. I had a tremendously painful pregnancy. Uh, There was nothing particularly wrong with my pregnancy by the books, but being pregnant itself put a lot of strain and physical pain on my body, even though my pregnancy was not something that you would call like an at-risk pregnancy or a medically unstable pregnancy. It was such a relief to have Beckett be born because it relieved me of that physical pain, although I had to recover from delivery and things like that. However, I traded off on that physical distress for mental distress and experienced a very profound postpartum depression that I think I was trying to pretend my way through by doing the things that I had known worked for me before with my two children prior. 
At the time, I had a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and I knew that my postpartum experience would be, my postpartum depression experience would be a temporary experience. However, that being said, probably about six weeks in, uh, maybe a little less, it just became clear to me that the wave of depression that I was under was going to require really timely intervention. It wasn't going to be the kind of thing that, for me, would resolve if I could just grin and bear it. And I'm not saying that to suggest that postpartum depression is something that we should grin and bear our way through. And exploring my experience of postpartum depression is something that I would love to spend more episodes on um, in the future. That is not going to be the crux of today's episode, but it is the personal journey that led me to this experience of planning my month out. So, I finally admitted to myself that what I needed to do was going to require interventions that I'd never tried before. I went to my doctor, who started me on a very low-dose SSRI, and put me in touch with the person who is currently today my therapist. She said, listen, this woman practices just across the hall from my office. You can make an appointment today, and why not go ahead and get started with that? And it almost seemed to me that I should do more research, that I should get reviews on a therapist. How do I know this person would be a good fit for me in terms of my postpartum depression? But in the end, and after talking it through with my husband, I decided that starting medication, I would try. And I would also just go for what seemed like the quick win to make an appointment with my therapist, with this new therapist at the time. So forward a few sessions and my therapist and I got to know one another. It was probably after about three sessions and I think I was going every two to three weeks to check in with her. I had also started medication and I was starting to feel those really profound symptoms of postpartum depression lift. I think that was in many ways thanks to the medication and I was starting to gain more clarity about the work that I would have to do in my therapy sessions with my therapist, Karen. And that is what led me to decide that I needed to get to know myself better. That one of the real interventions to navigate my way from postpartum depression to a path towards wellness was to actually get to know myself better. Because what I had experienced in postpartum was a deeper sense of loss than you might expect after having a baby. I had lost a lot of my identity by stepping away from work. And by stepping away from work, I had lost some of the positive feedback loop, a lot of the positive feedback loops that I had gotten from excelling in my work and from being a good a good employee, you know? And by losing that, I experienced loss that was really hard to address because there wasn't anything that I could directly replace with that positive identity reflection that I was getting from the workplace and knowing full well that I was going to take at least 12 months away from work. So that sense of loss was about losing my identity and that had to be replaced with something more authentic. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll just wait to go back to work and then your identity will get a boost when you go back to work because you'll be reflected in the attitudes and beliefs that other people have about you. It became very clear to me in my work with my therapist that what I would have to do was actually rebuild what felt like from scratch, my identity, if I were to remove all of the ways that I serve other people externally. And that became very daunting. That became like a very 
blank page, a very unknown at sea, uncharted territory for me because it required me to say, who am I and what do I want to share with the world? And the answer to that question was, I don't know. I don't know. And I noticed this in stark contrast to my husband. My husband at the time was very keyed into sharing his likes and the things he was passionate about with our sons. And I felt like I was keeping myself small in terms of my interests, in terms of my curiosities and my values, keeping myself small so that they would have a lot of time to flourish and explore. And what they seemed to want to do when they were flourishing and exploring was to engage in the things that my husband had, you know, a lot of interest in, a lot of passions for, a lot of things that he would attribute to his identity, whether or not we gave them to him. We said, you know, whether or not we said, hey, Nick, you're my husband. Hey, Nick, you're, you know, the kid's dad. Hey, Nick, you're a son. Hey, Nick, you're a teacher. Without all of those things, Nick's identity would be affirmed by a lot of the activities and interests and things that he likes to do. And I felt like it was really hard for me to gain tangible access to that side of myself when I was recovering and healing from postpartum depression because my depression was very much about noticing this gap in my identity. And it was a significantly huge gap. So sure, I could lean into the identity of mother. I could lean into the identity of wife and friend. But but in the end, what was missing is who am I to myself? The answer to that question is, if I perform to nobody, what is left over? And it felt like there was very little. So I'm sharing with you that feels super vulnerable. And I'm wondering about perhaps how much of that might resonate with you. And if it does resonate with you, if you think like, well, yeah, if I strip away the job that I have, the relationships that I hold, I'm not too sure what else is left. The next part of the episode is going to really help you out. And I want you to know that I think that this is a really normal function of being a woman in contemporary society. We are really rewarded for setting aside our identities to reflect back the person that other people need us to be, whether that's in our relationships or partnerships, whether that's in our motherhood, or whether it's in how we perform at work. We are very consistently held to the ideal of behaving and looking and sounding like the person that other people expect us to be. And that's okay so long as the person other people expect us to be is the person we actually are. But what can be very upsetting is to live with the dissonance and the resistance of those two people being different or feeling like we can't show the person we are to ourselves to the people that we serve in our relationships or the people that we partner with in our relationships. That can be really upsetting and it can be it can create a real chasm in your identity. So what we're going to talk about today is a really practical way to soothe that sense of, of a gap, to soothe that, soothe that sense of something being missing, and is very much related to what I did in my first journey in November of 2019 when I set up Medium Lady. Medium Lady was started entirely to create the space in the world that was made for me, and whether I knew it or not, at the time, I was using the identity of Medium Lady to fill the space of who I am to myself. 
And I think knowing what I know now, there are some ways that I could probably be a little bit critical of that, Um, (laughs) especially knowing social media and some of the pitfalls of social media when it comes to having an ideal feed or, you know, presenting only the good side of one's life. And I do continue to strive to make sure that I'm walking a fine line of authenticity and creativity and entertainment and helpfulness and making sure that the authenticity part of that isn't being put to the side in order to, quote, give the people what they want. But that is the reason it all started. And the second thing that I did after starting Medium Lady was to share the ways that I was planning to spend my free time getting to know myself. And I called that at the time my monthly assignment. I was giving myself small ways to engage actively in my own life to pursue the present moment to better understand who I am, what makes me tick, what are my values, what is important to me, and how is that existing separate and distinctly from the relationships and the people that I serve in my external life. And that internal work of asking the question, Who am I when I take away all of the roles and people around me that I serve in my day-to-day relationships? That task is, at its core, the truest form of self-care that I've been able to engage in. Asking that question and planning to spend my time answering it is truly what comes from within. When I say self-care starts from the inside, that is what I mean, is, is looking within yourself and asking what you need and what your identity really needs in order to better understand and better get to know yourself. I'm going to share a little bit of my planning process. I've already shared a lot of that in very deep detail. We're going to talk a little bit about how to kind of execute on this schedule, because I've spent a lot of conversations here on the podcast about the planning piece of it, but I haven't really talked a lot about the execution of it, and I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about maybe some of the challenges that you might have when you're considering um, if this kind of activity is right for you, and I'll always be sprinkling personal examples through the episode, and I want you to leave this episode feeling encouraged and hopefully motivated to begin or continue your self-identity work using this monthly planning process as one of the tools in your toolbox. So when I take a look down at a new month, I always go for my four pillars. And those four pillars are unique to me. If you're new here to Medium Lady, they are read, play, try, and think. And these are the four ways that I decide how to spend my free time. I decide that in advance And by deciding in advance, it relieves a little bit of the dauntingness of the how are you going to figure out who you are and what makes you tick? That question can be really daunting. I don't know. How do I start? How could I possibly begin to get to know myself when I've spent decades learning who I am through the eyes of other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you start? That's very a very anxious question. I don't know where to start, or I'm not sure, or what if I pick the wrong way to start? What if I pick something and I don't actually get to know myself? And I'm here to tell you that this decision in advance, this upfront decision, is time-bound, so it's only going to be a month. You are going to come away with data at the end of that month, and then you're going to start all over again. So it's not this sense of staring down your identity for the rest of your life. It's like, how, how am I going to get to know who I am to myself for the rest of my life? It's how am I going to get to know who I am to myself for the next 30 days? You know, like, let's just make it small, more manageable. 
30 days does continue to be the timeline that works for me. But I would also hazard that that's another thing you can experiment with. You know, maybe it's at the week's outset. Maybe it's at the seasonal outset. Maybe you want to do fall. Maybe it's at the sort of like six week time frame. That is going to be totally up to you. But we are going to stick with the month. This decision up front to what I'm going to read, how I'm going to play, how I'm going to try something new, and what I'm going to think about allows me to reduce stress and anxiety. This also helps me to set and achieve personal goals. And the setting and achieving of personal goals, goal setting is another thing that I've talked a lot about on Medium Lady. I will do my best to link those episodes here. I think it's 61 and 62 and then 69, but that's just off the top of my head. And I will make sure that those are accurately connected in the show notes if you want to check out the goal setting piece. But planning my free time in advance helps me to set and achieve personal goals through deciding what is important to me and then paying attention to where I need to spend time to get to where I want to get personally. So when I set my plan for reading in motion, that plan for reading is related to my personal goal to invest my time in reading and to read a lot of books. And essentially, my goal is to read as many books as I can. And that's sort of arbitrary and maybe a little bit hard to measure, but we'll talk about measurement in a few in a few minutes. But my goal is to read as many books as I can. And the best way to move through that goal for me is to decide what I'm going to read next. When I decide what I'm going to read next, it means I can actively see three or four books in the future, my progress towards my goal. And when I finish my current book, I have a sense of what future book I'll be picking up. And it reduces the decision fatigue that I might need to keep momentum towards my goal of reading as many books as I can. Some of my try category, for instance, helps me achieve the goal of sort of self-improvement, self-development, and self-discovery. My try category is about trying something new in a way that is trying to achieve consistency with something that sort of has a beginning and an end. So for September, I shared in episode 81, for September, my goal is to not hit the snooze button for 30 days in a row. And I'm happy to tell you today we are September 10th. It's Henry's birthday. Happy birthday, Henry. He's eight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Love that little guy. Today, September 10th, I have so far not hit my snooze button at all. Now, the goal is to just not hit the snooze button. And that is in the broader picture of making sure that my mornings allow me to create time and space for myself. And just not hitting the snooze button means that I encourage my body to not use the snooze button as a tool to perhaps eat away at some of that time for myself. And knowing that I'm not going to hit the snooze button in the morning also encourages me to get to bed on time. The try category in this case is something I'm trying and I'm going to try to succeed, I guess, maybe succeed with a small s, but I'm trying to try to do that to achieve a personal goal of having a more nurturing morning for myself. Now, I could certainly not hit the snooze button, fall asleep, and have a total crash and burn of a morning, but that would still give me some information about the goal and about how I'm doing in terms of achieving the goal. It would also give me information about how much the snooze button plays into my success and or limitations to carving out that nourishing morning time. The other final thing I'm going to talk about benefits of deciding up front how you're going to spend your free time is it can highlight the importance of the balance in your life between your life responsibilities, your relationships, and your leisure or your self-care. 
When I say to myself, I'm going to read, play, try, and think, I have decided four ways that I am going to spend my leisure time, and I'm going to spend my leisure time on myself. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I sit down and I time block all of the ways that I'm going to make my way through this, but it gives my brain a way to focus when I do have time for myself. It gives my brain a way to limit options and limit choice so that I don't default to some of the self-soothing behaviors of perhaps shopping online, perhaps scrolling Instagram, perhaps, you know, going deep into a YouTube rabbit hole. Those are the easy, self-soothing things, but they don't necessarily allow me to feel better when I'm done than I did when I started. And that's an important way of also outlining why these four categories of read, play, try, and think are so important, because I know that before I start them, I'll feel one way, and at the end of the month, I will probably feel another way. And usually that way is slightly better or and or neutrally moving me forward on this path of wellness and recovery. Recovery, I'm using that term with a small r because I'm really talking about recovery from burnout, recovery from potentially my own mental wellness, recovery from the mental load that was placed on me during the pandemic, uh, and, and also recovery from my postpartum depression. Like, I'm very happy to say that I'm well recovered from postpartum depression, and I have learned a lot about myself and my mental health. But I continue to consider that the work of a lifetime, perhaps, is that recovery cycle, that that sort of up and down of life and being able to take the challenges that face one and being able to put those challenges on a wellness journey and experience them within the context of being on a wellness journey, not to say that these things happen to us and then we pursue a wellness journey. I'm on a wellness journey and I'm going to experience challenges. I'm going to experience perhaps relapse in my mental health. I'm going to experience things that totally knock me off course. And those are going to happen in the context of a wellness journey. Um, They're not necessarily going to be the things that find me at rock bottom and needing to pursue a wellness journey. But if you find yourself as a ladder, that is a very relatable experience as well. And certainly when I had postpartum depression in September of 2019, I definitely felt like I was very much at a rock bottom and very much needing to carve out a perpetual wellness journey for myself. So when we decide up front how we're going to spend our time in a way that is crafting pursuit of our self-identity, in a way that is helping us to get to know ourselves better, we can find balance in our time between the ways people need us and the way we need ourselves. And that allows us to see ourselves with more dimensions than the month previous. And this is important exercise that comes through when I talk about um, part one of the workbook. Part one of the workbook is what is known. And that's very much an external exercise of you looking at the world, at your calendar, at your family, and deciding or outlining rather the ways the world is going to need you for the month ahead. And then we return to reflective exercises to help us get to know ourselves. And we decide what we need from ourselves from the month ahead. And that is about achieving balance. So those are really the overall benefits of doing this free time planning, doing this self-identity mapping for your month is it can really help reduce stress and anxiety. It can also help you to set and achieve personal goals. And it can highlight, you know, really help you define more balance between your external responsibilities and the journey that it might take you to get to know yourself. 
In terms of the planning process, I have shared my own process for planning my free time in my workbook, which will be linked in the show notes. It's called How to Start a New Month with Medium Effort and Mindful Fun. You can also go ahead and listen to episode 81. I do want to say that it's important to set something that is realistic in the frame of your read, play, try, think. And that is something that is really hard to kind of parse out. Um, but I'll try to sort of talk about keeping that planning process realistic. And I think that for myself, one of the things that I have learned after iterating this time and time again since November of 2019 is that there are times when I gave myself a monthly assignment that wasn't realistic. And at the end of the month, it gave me information about my own identity, about my own values, and about how I was grounding my perspective in my life. And being realistic is often something that we really struggle with when we're crafting our self-identity because we don't want to be realistic about our identity. We want to be ideal when we think about our identity. I suffer from this all the time. I want to be the optimal, most successful, highest achieving version of myself at all times. And when I can admit that where I am right now is good enough Who I am right now is amazing, and what I have achieved up until this date, if that was all of the glory that was to be had by me and my life and my life story, that that would be wondrous accomplishment in and of itself. And that balance between the real life, the realistic sense of who Aaron is right now, and the ideal version of who Aaron might be in a month, if Aaron plans her month perfectly, she might be even better than she is right now, even better by the standards of an external measuring stick. She might be a better person. But the goals of getting to know oneself are not about becoming a better person. The goals of getting to know oneself are the sheer groundedness of knowing who you are and knowing how that person exists and understanding what that person needs and understanding how to get that person what that person needs without bending to, measuring up, needing, acquiring the will of external forces in your life, whether it's relationships, whether it's accountabilities, whether it's, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. The act of getting to know yourself is the goal. That is it. And that is something that has been really, really hard for me to focus on, but it is really important to keep in mind when you're trying to be realistic. So I would encourage you to remember to think about the smallest version of what you're trying to pursue when you're getting to know yourself and to make that as tangible and as connected to your current life today uh, as it possibly could be. If you are perhaps setting an idea of play whereby you play by taking a ballet class, for example. That's something that I've always dabbled in. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I should make play about trying a ballet class. And then I remember for myself that, you know, leaving the house is often a rigmarole that gives me a lot of like mental qualms and I don't have any of the clothes for ballet and I ideally would, you know, know more about ballet than I do now and I would really want to understand who the teacher is and all of this like list of things that are sort of like coming up against the idea of play being about learning more about ballet or taking a ballet class. Then that for me is already not a realistic thing to pursue. It might actually be a realistic thing to pursue in the try category. 
And and if I wanted to make taking a ballet class even smaller, I would say I would try to call three ballet classes, three classes who offer adult ballet classes and understand who their teachers are and when the classes are and what the vibe is all about. Maybe I would visit. I would try to visit three ballet classes. I would not try to enroll and become, you know, the best ballerina of all time. But this is sometimes the trick that our brains do for us is they say, if that's the that's the allure of the sexy goal is if you say you're going to take a ballet class, then you might actually be able to have this amazing life where you're a ballerina. The, but the lure of that is that right now you're a trash human because you're not a ballerina. And isn't it great to to plan how to move from being a trash human to being a ballerina human. <laughs> I hope you're laughing as I say this. I know that it can get a little bit a little bit silly, but to say, you know, trash human to ballerina, but I do think that again, and this is my sort of caution about being realistic, when you're making your schedule, it's really important to just kind of like frame it with it with loving realistic acknowledgement of who you are right now. Okay. Let's talk about actually living out that monthly schedule. And this is something that I don't talk a lot about, but here we are. It's the 10th of the month, and I've already shared what my monthly plan was for September. So you have that as frame of reference. I'll just repeat it here. I've listed the four books I'm going to read. Let's see. The books I was going to read are The Librarianist by Patrick DeWitt, The Housekeepers by Alex Hay, The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner, and the fourth book was Home Fire by Kamala Shamsi. So I am partway through The Librarianist. I am partway through Home Fire. I haven't started The Housekeeper, and I finished The Dance of Anger. So that's sort of where I am progress-wise. And I can kind of keep track of that as I have free time to read or as I'm commuting or as I'm popping an audiobook in my ears and I'm like going about perhaps my chores or one thing or another. The other process in terms of play was about, oh, there were two ways of playing. I had said the first was that I was going to play with having more fun lunches at work. And the second was I was going to practice with play by pretending I was in a Nora Ephron movie. And that has been really about sort of like letting that idea percolate in my mind and imagining what it feels like to be in a Nora Ephron movie and thinking about doing, you know, research on what are the Nora Ephron movies, because there's like Nora Ephron movies, and then there's Nora Ephron adjacent. And funnily enough, the weather has gotten so hot. I think it's hot been hotter than it ever has been even through the summer. And it's not lending itself to a Nora Ephron vibe, which I think is very, very funny. But what I was thinking of doing is building a Nora Ephron playlist. So I'm going to be dabbling with that and just kind of like building a fun fall playlist inspired by that Nora Ephron vibe and those Nora Ephron movies. Also wanted to talk about my try. I've talked about the snooze button. And then my last one was focus and think. And this really came into play yesterday when I took my kids to a Canadian football league, a CFL football game. And I had said that I really wanted to lean into lighthearted family time and remember my resistance to Sometimes we resist, you know, we know that we only have so much time in the day. We know that we only have so much time in the month. And it can be hard to balance time with our families and time for ourselves. And when my time for myself has become so precious, I can sometimes find myself a little bit resentful that my family pulls me away from that time for myself. And that's not a great feeling for me, especially when I reflect on my month of August and I can come up with so many joy-filled moments where spending lighthearted time with my family was wonderful. 
So yesterday, um, my oldest son was sick. And so my husband stayed home with him. And it was just me and my youngest two kids going to the CFL game to meet up with my sisters. And I could have had a really anxious experience with that because, because of a lot of things that are true to who I am. I don't really like sports. I prefer to hand the sports off to Nick. And I don't love big sporting events, although I would say the CFL is of a size where I feel pretty comfortable. And it was going to require us to kind of like plan for a day trip. You know, it was like so, sort, sort of a solo parenting day trip. And I remembered that I had set this intention to focus my thoughts on enjoying lighthearted family time. And so I realized that I had the power to choose how I wanted to feel as I took Henry and Beckett on this solo trip to see the CFL, to see the Toronto Argonauts play. And it was a remarkable way to feel really in control of a situation that normally I would have probably been swept away by old patterns of thinking, by old patterns of resentment and resistance. I might have actually said to Nick, I don't want to do this. I want you to do it. I want you to take the kids. I'll stay home with William. But instead, I I really thought about it and I said, no, I want to choose how I want to feel, which is optimistic, flexible, prepared. And so that's what we did. And we went yesterday and it was a great time. It was a great time. You know, like it's it's always a whirlwind taking kids to sporting events. You're not really watching the game at any point, but it was great to spend time with my sisters. And it was really fun to do something that was slightly different from like, you know, the backyard barbecue or the home hangout. And the kids were really, really sweet. And this morning, Beckett climbed into bed with me and he said, oh, mom, remember this? And mom, remember this? And just his the way his little mind was processing the experience uh, that we'd had together was really special. So I'm glad that I had chosen that as my focus and think because I think that it helped me snap out of it in a moment when I might have otherwise been carried away by old patterns of thinking and old kind of, you know, I decide in advance that sporting events make me anxious and overwhelmed, then I just kind of grit and bear it through. And instead, I was able to sort of see the event for what it was and allow or and and feel excited for the opportunity to just be more open hearted, be more optimistic. And and um, and honestly, it was a really good time. It was a really good time. So I, what I want to emphasize here while I talk about this is that you can see where some of this is taking up more of my time than others. You know, there's probably been more time spent focusing on my thoughts, more time spent internally reviewing, you know, where am I at emotionally with some of the things I said I was going to do. The reading by far, of course, reading takes up time. I haven't really taken action on my Nora Ephron aesthetic. <laughs> and um, the snooze button thing really just is a matter of every morning recommitting to that goal. So time-wise, it's not taking a lot of time. But there might be other things for you where you would actually have to set aside time. And when you have to do that, you know, like reading, for example, I do have to set aside time for reading. It's really important that we acknowledge in advance the need to be flexible to accommodate for things that are unexpected. There's a lot of times when my monthly assignment kind of falls flat, and that's usually because I have to be flexible and I have to pivot to unexpected events in my life. And I often try when I'm planning to see what's going to come ahead, 
there's just like so few times in life when we can actually predict how it's going to go. And that's always going to require a degree of flexibility in us. And one of the important things about getting to know yourself is understanding how flexibility or how changing plans can be easy for you or hard for you. And I think that's something that has also been a real benefit of being on this self-identity journey is I think before I would have said I was somebody who really struggled with plans changing or struggled with needing to be flexible. But now that I've made my way through these four years of sort of monthly planning and goal setting and recovery and taking time to get to know myself, that I have figured out the instances when it is hard for me to be flexible. And I have noticed that there are a lot of other instances when I'm actually very flexible. And I am actually consistently, that is a strength of mine to be flexible. So it helps as well to notice and repeat and notice and repeat as you get to know yourself And realize that some of the narratives that we have about ourselves are not necessarily true 100% of the time. And it's really rare that something is true 100% of the time, including ourselves. I've talked a little bit about goal setting and how goal setting can fit into this. I do not track anything related to this monthly assignment. And that's me kind of knowing myself. It doesn't benefit me when I finish a month to have a tracker And I think a tracker actually, to my mind, and I'm going to kind of perhaps give a bit of a pep talk as to why tracking is not necessary. Tracking is motion, not action. And this is a concept from James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. If you haven't read that book, it's a really quick audio book. I would really recommend it. Really consumable in terms of what it's talking about. So motion are the activities that don't necessarily get us where we want to go, but they're sort of supportive. They're sort of general infrastructure uh, of of things that you might want to do. And sometimes planning actually can be in and of itself motion. Planning my free time is motion unless I actually do what I said I was going to do. Action is the actual moment when I make a decision to pick up that book that I said I was going to read, or when I make a decision to not hit snooze, that is the action part of it. And there's usually a smaller list of action items than there are a list of motion items. And the motion, generally, we can get a lot really caught up in, and motion is generally also very comfy. It doesn't actually task us with too much. And that can be kind of a tricky place to live in because it feels really comfy, but it's not getting us anywhere. And that's actually what I think about tracking personally. Now, I think the science probably doesn't agree with me at all, would probably say that tracking consistently helps people to actually make their way through to success when it comes to goal setting. But I don't think that when it comes to self-identity and planning how you're going to spend your free time, that tracking is necessarily going to help you make your way to the place in the world that's made for you. If I say I track my 30 days of hitting snooze, then it's only useful if I approach the days that I don't hit snooze with curiosity and I approach the days that I do hit snooze with curiosity. It's only useful in the way that you look back on it. So I don't track, but I do take stock of what felt like me during the month. I think about the books that I chose to read, and I think about whether they were really aligned with my sweet spots for reading, whether they were really aligned with my interests, or were they sort of pressure that I felt to read what everybody else was reading and thought was cool. 
that helps me learn about myself and who I am and the books that I like to read. I think about play because play is usually one of the harder ways for me to choose to spend my free time. It's very much often outside of my comfort zone to be, although I'm getting way better, to be sort of spending my time in a way that's non-productive. It's not productive for me to say, I'm going to live the month of September as if I'm in a Nora Ephron movie. It's not productive, but it gives me a chance to show up in ways that are um, usually not easily accessed by my identity, but something that my identity really craves, which is to be silly, to be romantic, to have a lighthearted aesthetic, to be artistic. Those are the types of things that are generally in my life not leading to productive outcomes. And in terms of my personality and my identity, it's not in my comfort zone, but it often leads to a lot of growth for me. And that's why I pursue it every month. Because when I play, when I feel artistic and creative, and I have access to the aesthetic side of my life, I feel really good. And so even though it's a hard place for me to make my way to, it's really important that I set the cobblestones ahead so that I can find that place every month. Because if I don't, then I miss out on that feeling good side of my identity. So I don't need to track that. I don't need to track how well or poorly I did. But there have been months where I've chosen something to play with, and it has not been something I've pursued at all. I think last year or the year before, I said I was going to train to run a 5K or something for my try. And I ran zero times that month. And I think that that was a disconnect between my identity, my goal setting, I'm planning how I was going to spend my free time, being realistic, and setting myself up to be the ideal Aaron by the end of the month rather than the realistic current version of Aaron. And so that's been the kind of thing that allows me to know like, oh, you know what, we need to think differently about this next month, and we need to plan differently next month, and we need to just acknowledge that that was like in terms of shooting at the target of my identity, that was like the outer red circle, not necessarily the bullseye. And next time we can try for the bullseye. But we learned that saying something like run a 5k or train to run a 5k was probably too big. I could have even said like run twice a week or try to run after 7 p.m., and to see how many times, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of how I could have done that even better. But it's also not about, yeah, it's also not about doing it even better. It's about acknowledging the fit between the month, the self that I am, and the thing that I chose to do for my try. So that's where I track. That's where I might do a bit of journaling. And this part's really hard to kind of extrapolate and share with you because it's often deeply personal and it kind of happens organically at the end of every month. It usually happens in partnership with planning the new month. When I plan the new month, I think about the old month. I think about what I did and what I had said I would read, play, try, and think. And there have been times when I've said, oh, I'm going to read these books and I don't read them and I might roll them into the next month or I might decide, oh, you know why I didn't read that book is because it's really actually not the kind of books that I need to read right now. You know, maybe I was sick and I was reaching for lighthearted, cozy mysteries instead of reaching for, you know, the latest best-selling nonfiction. It's really important when you reflect, when you do this reflective piece, that you're not comparing yourself to yourself or the ideal. Again, this 
can become, I think, a trap for people. And there have been months for me where I have potentially probably beaten myself up a little bit, although that's probably a harsh way of saying it. I've probably scolded myself a little bit and I've said, oh, Aaron, man, like you really, that plan could have set you up so well and you didn't make the most of it. But that's why I think every 30 days is really a great time to refresh is just accepting that every 30 days you get a clean slate. So whatever happened in the past 30 days is fine because you just got a clean slate and your identity needs that. Our identities need that as they really feel safe to be who they are. You know, whether that's about getting to know your inner child, whether that's about reflecting on past wounds, whether that's about thinking about what you hope and dream for the future, all of those facets make up your identity and your identity needs a safe space to breathe and relax and be itself. And if you're anything like me, you have really not had that space. You have really not known where to find it. It's your task to create it. So that's another challenge because that comes up with confronting and coming up against all of the things that you're trying to do to show up for everybody else. Is also saying like, who's showing up for everybody else? If I'm not sure who I am, who is that person? And if I don't, if I can't show up for everybody else and I choose to nurture my own identity, then what's going to be the cost or the penalty for that choice? And that's where our identities start to feel unsafe and they start to feel unstable. And we go back to playing the wife, playing the mother, playing the daughter, being the boss, being the employee, because that's a less anxious space to live in than the idea of creating a safe space for our identity. And our identity feels unsafe. So it retreats and we return to those external roles. The only thing you need to do if you're doing that is to just notice. If you notice that for a month or for a designated period of time as you pursue your own identity, that you went back into thinking about what other people need from you, just acknowledge that like you've been doing that for decades. So that's okay. That's fine. Now you know. Isn't that interesting that you noticed you were doing that? You probably wouldn't have noticed you were doing that last year. You probably wouldn't have noticed you were doing that five years ago. Isn't that great that you noticed it? And what can you choose to do next now that you have noticed it? It can be a really common challenge when planning your free time to potentially overflex or underestimate the time that you need to build your identity. And that's, again, I'm going to tell you that your identity, the space that you need in the world to let your identity relax is going to take months and months and months to build up. And that's okay, because like I said, it's probably the work of our lifetime to get to know ourselves, to feel really relaxed and feel really safe in our own identities. Um, So I don't want you to feel like you have to get the schedule right or that you have to go into any kind of time blocking exercise. The best way to overcome the idea of planning your free time as a way to get to know your identity is to keep it small, is to stay realistic. You can use my free workbook to give you the prompts and the journaling exercises to get started and to remember that you will have a clean slate in 30 days or so. And to also feel excited 
that you get to do this again and again and again and again. It will start to get really fun, but I do think there was a probably a period where I had had a monthly assignment, maybe two or three of them, probably around the three or four mark. And I really sort of felt like, do I really know what I'm doing or am I just like performing this for people because I do share it. And that helps me to share it, not for accountability purposes, because I'm not expecting anyone to come around and say like, hey, did you do that 5K that you said you were going to do? Because literally zero persons have ever done that. But it helps me to also be authentic to the journey that I'm pursuing as I get to know myself to share that activity with you. And, oh, where was I going with that? And if you hit that point where you're like, I'm not sure if I want to do this or I'm not sure if this is working, then all you can do is take stock of the exercise and think about the frequency, the duration, the pillars, Maybe it's not read, play, try, think for you. Maybe it's listen and love. You know, it's like you really love music. So you're going to plan the music you're going to listen to and love. You're going to think about how you express love every month. Like that might be those might be the two things that resonate within your within your identity and just take stock and and tinker. Don't necessarily say I have to wipe the slate clean because this isn't working for me. I think that we often give up on our identities too soon because they take so much nurturing and time to coax out of their shells to show real things to us and real feelings. One of the things I'm acknowledging recently is my relationship with anger and how I have a really distorted relationship with anger and how my identity actually does feel angry and how my external persona to other people often rarely has really good functional ways of expressing that anger. And that's been something that I don't think I would have learned about myself in my first few assignments. And has it been through my assignments that I've noticed that? Not necessarily, although certainly this book, The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner, has tremendously helped quite a bit. Five-star read, if you want to (laughs) know. But it's been that safe space for my identity to exist and to thrive that has allowed me to question and to look internally to sit with those emotions because I feel like my identity is pretty safe and my identity worries less about the frailty of my relationships if I choose myself. And that can be a really positive outcome of pursuing this wellness journey. And I want that for everybody. I want that for every woman who ever put other people's needs ahead of her own to recognize that what you need and what you think really, really matters. And it matters most to you. You know, we deny ourselves so often and we can often repress ourselves so much that it can be really, really hard to know who we are. And that can feel like a really daunting place to start. But you can really make progress just by experimenting and tinkering with these get to know you activities and planning in advance how you're going to get to know yourself is one way of making sure that it's not a blank page every time you say like, oh, how am I going to get to know myself today? I don't know. The choices are endless. Maybe I'll just not do that because that feels scary. Um, instead, you can say, how do how am I going to get to know myself today? And you can choose from one of four pillars or one of three pillars or one of two buckets and 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 go from there. The other challenge, I think, is going to be your predictable way of thinking that this can't be done or that it's too late for you or that 
you know, we're going to kind of like talk ourselves out of the benefits of getting to know ourselves. And I want when that happens to you, I want you to think of that as your inner child trying to stay safe. And I want you to hold that inner child in your arms and say, we're just going to try. We're just going to try today and see how it goes. And then maybe we'll try again tomorrow. I have a feeling this is going to be really good for us. It's going to be okay. I'm in charge. I know it's going to be okay. And I'm going to take good care of you. I won't let anything bad happen to you. And to just kind of hold that inner child in your arms as you pursue your own identity and as you plan out your free time in a way that might feel risky to the ways you've shown up in the past. So I'm going to wrap up with a final encouragement. I really would want to encourage you to give monthly planning a try. Just think about how to spend your free time in a way that will get you closer to your own identity. I really want you to know that that self-care, it comes from within. And that's a really hard message to consume when you could easily Google self-care in my area and have a number of options presented to you for a number of different budgets and price points, a number of different time investments. But I really think that this balance of who am I and how can I spend my time can get you on a journey whereby you're really finding ways to take care of yourself I would love it if you would let me know if you think you're going to try this and you can go ahead and connect with me on Instagram. I could be found at medium.lady over there. I will absolutely link my planner in the show notes. Please feel free to use it. It is a free download to you and go ahead and share this episode with anybody that you think might benefit or somebody that you think you might want to do this with. I have been tinkering for a while with the idea of building a community, um, perhaps subscription-based opportunity for people to build these plans in community with other people. I'm really curious if you think that might appeal to you. All in all, I think um, remember to start small with this kind of thing. And if there's anything that I can do to help you personally, I would be happy if you hop into my DMs. Uh, Just let me know that you're thinking about trying a monthly plan and you'd love a little bit of one-on-one help. Um, I'm here to help you anytime you need it. So let's just summarize quickly. We've talked about the benefits of planning, free time, the process of sort of thinking that through, how to execute on the monthly plan, what I think about tracking, how to overcome challenges, and my final encouragement and motivation to you. You deserve to know who you are. You deserve to feel love and compassion and kindness for that person that you are. And that will benefit the ways that you show up for other people. It will not compromise your external relationships. But that can feel really, really hard when you've been receiving the message for such a long time that how you show up for others is the most important thing you can offer the world as a woman. So I'm here to tell you that we can break free of that narrative, but no one's really going to give that to us except ourselves. But I am going to give you a free download that is going to hopefully help you set one foot in front of the other on that path. But those next steps are going to be up to you. But you can do it. And I have tremendous faith in you. Thank you so much for your time today. I know that it is a precious resource to you, and I really appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me. In the meantime, I want you to know I think you are doing such a good job. Whether you decide to plan your month or not, you are already awesome just as you are. I love you very, very much, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to Medium Lady Talks, created and produced by me, Erin Vandeman. If you want more of the general vibe, gratitude, and encouragement from this episode, please come and find me on Instagram at medium.lady. And since you've made it to the end, I'd love to get to know you even better. Screenshot this episode so you can share it on Instagram and be sure to tag me so that we can chat. Thanks for listening. Remember, you're doing such a good job. Your place in this world can only be filled by you. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.